Well, welcome to episode number five of the Dads on Tap podcast. My name is Scott Maudsley, and I'm joining you from the Dads on Tap control room, i.e. my basement, and I'm sitting in the dad chair right now. And so uh, honored to be with you for this next great episode of our podcast. And I'm your host for this monthly time of helping dads become better dads. I'm also the founder of the nonprofit Dads on Tap, which I started a few years ago because I started realizing as a dad, I now have a 17-year-old and a 12-year-old uh, son and daughter that being a dad is really hard. And oftentimes, we don't have the opportunity to uh, engage with other dads and just kind of learn how to become a better dad. And so we started several years ago with brewery partnerships. We've had seven of those here in our region and one out of state. where We gather together a couple times a year and we invite some dads to come. We have a beer together and we just learn how to become a better dad by having some folks come and share. And then we launched this podcast this year because we want to expand the reach of what we're trying to do. And so uh, we're excited about that. And today I'm honored to be interviewing my good friend, Daryl Stinson. Daryl, man, glad to have you. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate that. Listen, so I got this bio here, man. It's pretty long to read. So, you know, I kind of cut it down a little bit. So Daryl is not only my good friend, he's also a husband, he's a dad, he's an entrepreneur, he's a pastor, he's a speaker. Here's a pretty intense one. He's a suicide survivor. We're going to talk about that later, Daryl, and it's really the point of our podcast today, uh, a lot of it. But you're also the founder of Second Chance Athletes that comes out of a lot of that story that we'll hear about today. You've authored one book. I hear rumors you got a second one on the way, so excited about that. And recently, man, Dads on Tap was honored to be a sponsor for a new event that you launched here in our community. Just tell us a little bit about that TEDx venture. Yeah, so TEDx is about ideas worth spreading. And so as a license holder in Gwinnett County, we were able to host a TEDx event where we had speakers come and share an idea that they believe that they could change the world in 18 minutes or less following the TED guidelines and all the prep that goes into that to be recorded live and distributed to up to 37 million people. And so, man, for me, it was about making an impact. It's about how do we come together, bring bright minds from within our community, and then also some outside minds to be able to really work towards just progressing as a society. And so really appreciated you guys coming along um, as sponsors and partnering with us to do that good in the world. Just got the final videos back. Um, I'm doing one last like edit on them, but they look amazing. And it's a great event for people to tap into. No pun intended or pun intended. There you go. Tap into. See that? See that? But I think it's a great thing to for men and dads to be mindful of is are we cooperating with the guidance of God in our life? Are we saying yes to the things that there are for us to say yes to and no to the things that there are for us to say no to. For me, the sponsorship with you with TEDx was just like, hey, man, I was just at this meeting. Your name came up. I completely forgot about you. I reached out because I felt the nudge and the urge and and you followed suit. It was like, hey, man, we've been looking for ways for additional exposure and we love what this is about. Obviously love you. And then bam, here we go. And it's just like, man, the amount of people who miss out on doors that could open for them because they don't say yes to the moments now, it's just it's just crazy. And so anyways, just wanted to throw that nugget in there for the fathers. That's great, man. Well, one of the things I love about you, Daryl, is whether it's 37 in the room or 37 million, man, you're always giving your whole heart to whoever is there, right? So it's fantastic. Totally. You could either be a thermometer or a thermostat, you know, and we get to make that choice. And I learned that that was one of those things where you talk about leadership principles. Some are caught and others are taught. You know, one of the things I caught 
from one of my mentors is he started pastoring in this storefront church. I mean, there was like, I remember him doing this altar call and I promise you there couldn't have been more than like 12, 15 people there. And we, me and my football teammates were the only visitors there. And he did that thing. You would have thought it was a stadium full of people waiting in line to, you know, receive Jesus. And, and he, he gave that thing and it was just us and it changed my life forever. And so I learned in that moment to never let the size of the audience, never let the size of the paycheck dictate the level of excellence that you provide. Always, Colossians 3.23, do everything is unto the Lord, but do everything wholeheartedly. And not only did I learn that through scripture, but through sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is a huge part of the story, man. <laughs> totally, man. People play harder at a game than the game of life, and it's, it's backwards. So anyways, man. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and if there's a dad that's listening for the first time, maybe on this episode, you know, one of the things, Daryl, it's important, you know, you know, a bit of my background is being a spiritual leader and pastor for many years. But one of the things I love about Dads on Tap and one of the things that's so important for our audience to understand is, is that if you know me, obviously you, Daryl, our relationship with Jesus is a central part of who we are as a dad. But whether someone, whether a dad shares that faith, has a different faith, or frankly, has no faith at all is actually not the point of Dads on Tap. The point is, if you're a dad who cares about being a dad, right, you're going to hear something that's going to help you be a better dad. And we hope that there are faith conversations and it opens those doors for sure. But, you know, we're just really here to help dads. And one of the things that I know about all of us is we are shaped by the home that we were raised in. And I've shared on several of the podcasts a little bit about my dad and our relationship. But I always like to begin this podcast by just starting with the story of you and your dad. So would you tell us a little bit about about your dad and about your relationship with him. My dad liked my mom and they had me. No, man. man. The truth of the matter is, man, what part do I want to share? I'll just start it here. When my mom had me, she was a senior in high school and my dad was a freshman in college at the same college I went to, Central Michigan University. My dad was a very, very, very good athlete. He's a little, almost as good as me. You had to play him a little bit, right? <laughs> hey, real talk. Like, there's a real rivalry going on in our family about that. I think technically on paper, he was definitely more talented. But they released this article um, that came out, like, last year of the top nine players in our, like, area. Number one on that list was Tony Dungy, who you know. It says a lot. And I was on that list, and my dad wasn't. So I just, <laughs> just want to let him know he couldn't blame it on age because Tony Dungy's talked. So if the local newspaper says it, then that's all that matters. But that was my dad, man. And, you know, they had just lost a son. Um, I had a brother a year before I was born who died a a couple of days after childbirth. So I think I came into a little bit of that mess of like, hey, man, we lost this child. Like that obviously took a toll on us. And like, you know, here's kind of, you know, obviously my dad was, you know, on the path to becoming a professional athlete. And so a lot of the relationship early on, to be honest with you, my dad ended up getting hurt and he started to hang around me probably you know, year three, four. Up until that, it was like my mom would primarily taking care of me and she would bring me to, you know, CMU to come see my dad on weekends or something like that. But, you know, he wasn't really active to, you know, probably anywhere between three, four, five, increasingly so. And, you know, I always tell him this, but he's a really good father. He was physically present. He was spiritually absent, emotionally absent but definitely physically present. He had came from a family of six where they were so broke that they shared socks. His father was like not at all in his life. 
I met him, my grandfather, and I mean, their interactions, like they never really talked. So I always interpreted my relationship with my dad, like as to like, man, he's giving me way more than what his father gave him. And I had the understanding like actually early on. So I didn't have like a lot of this like bitterness that comes from like fathers who maybe are physically there, but emotionally absent. I didn't have that with my dad because I feel like he did the best he could with what he had. And so that was like a lot of my life and my relationship with him was essentially joint custody with my mom. He and my mom never married. And it was a lot of back and forth, a lot of fights over child support, early fights over custody, stay with my mom majority of my life until seventh, eighth grade when I moved in with my father after my mom moved to Detroit. I'm from Jackson, about an hour west of Detroit. That's also where Tony Dundee's from. So that was an opportunity where he would mentor me more, but he was really focused on the relationship. So it was kind of always the same. He was always coaching me, teaching me mentally, physically, but just emotionally, just, you know, non-existent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I've often had folks ask me to describe my dad and I lost my dad about a year and a half ago. So a lot of processing has happened since that, but I always said, you know, probably one of the best ways for me to describe him was present because my dad was there for everything, right? And and I really appreciated that. Present but distant is how I describe it because he just didn't know how to engage at the real deep emotional level, especially when there's a lot of pain, right, that's involved with family relationship and a lot of struggle. You know, it's men tend to bottle a lot of that up, right? And it doesn't get out and certainly doesn't. We have a hard time helping our kiddos if we bottle it up. So, what would be one thing, Daryl, in regards to that? You'd say, hey, this is one important thing positive that I learned from my dad. And then we'll follow that up with, if you're okay with it, what's one thing that you're like, yeah, this is something that I want to do to parent different than my dad did? Yeah, I wish my dad would have wrote the book, but Marie Forleo, or however you say her name, has that book that's called Everything is Figure Outable. <laughs> Everything is Figure Outable. And that's like the number one thing I would say my dad taught me growing up is just like everything is doable. Everything can be figured out. Like he was so resourceful. Like he never let an obstacle get in his way. He became a military, not military. He was a sergeant at a boot camp, which was alternative placing versus going to through the system. And so he was very militant, but he would just be really harsh in terms of like, if I didn't know how to do my homework, if I was wanted to get better at my shooting in basketball, if I wanted a scholarship, which I did, if I wanted to do anything, ride a bike, fix drywall, my dad would just be like, we can figure this out. There's always a book you can read, a podcast you listen to, but you can self-teach yourself anything. And so he gave me that as a gift. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a great gift, man. That willingness to push through things, to power through the confidence, right? But So on the other side, of it, what would be something you say that that either whether it's something he didn't do or whether it's something that he did that you go, yeah, I just, that's something I've changed in who I am as a dad. Oh, express himself emotionally. He never did it. And, and I'm totally the opposite. <laughs> You're out, you got it on your sleeve, baby. <laughs> I just, it's on my sleeve, man. God wired me that way. And so, I mean, he just, it's the worst model emotionally that he could have presented as a man. It's just not, let me take that back. That's not the worst model but very unhealthy model of emotional suppression for himself. And it's not even suppressed, it's repressed. Like it's so suppressed that he actually repressed it and now it's like not even visible. Yeah, absolutely. No, I totally get that, man. I can relate a bit uh, in regards to my dad a bit too. But, you know, so let's make that turn though, because you are a husband and a dad. So 
tell us just a little bit about your family. Yeah, I'm married. Been married for eight years. I have three girls and one boy. Three girls and one boy. Uh, the girls are all under the age of nine, and then the boy is four months. And I am officially done. I like you know. I'm officially done. <laughs> I don't want to have to put mature on the podcast. So, you know, let's, we won't go there. You know? If we were in person, that'd be a cheers moment right there. Right there. <laughs> well, when you think about it, man, that's a lot of energy that goes there and a lot of little ones running around. And, you know, I've often said that being a dad with little ones is physically exhausting. As they get older now, as I have a teen and a preteen, it becomes more emotional exhaustion. But when you think about, the values that are in your home, kind of the values. We all have values that we live by, right? And those show up in our lives. They show up in how we parent and in how we kind of structure things at home. I'd love to hear just what are some of the important values that you have for your family? And then how do you guys intentionally live that out day to day and kind of day to day family life? Purpose is a huge value for us. I believe that we're all here for a purpose. You know, part of my rebirth experience out of that psychiatric unit was a belief in that prior to it. I was agnostic and I I didn't really believe that I had purpose, but now I do. And it's one of the things that is very important for us as a family. And so number one, we find ways to keep them around our work, involve them in our work. You know, we are both consultants. I speak a lot. And so we bring them to some of my speaking engagements we do run events, so they help out. We tell them why we're doing it, how we're marketing it. Like we let them know that this is our purpose. I'm actually tomorrow uh, doing. It was supposed to be three thirty minute presentations. Now it's like twelve, thirteen minute presentations or something weird to my a bunch of third graders. Wow! Talking to them about what dad does. So I volunteered for that. That's awesome. Man. That may be a tougher crowd than the TEDx crowd. <laughs> Oh, dude, totally, man. And I, I don't do elementary, so I got to really figure it out. I'm only doing it for my daughter, man. I'm only doing it for her. Well, the one advantage you have, bro, is you got the energy to sustain that room. So you'll be fine. Dude, not third graders, bro. I, I have a short patience. Like, I'm telling you, I'll be like, sit down, sit down, sit down. <laughs> I have these kids doing up downs and burpees, you know. And Bring a little bit of that discipline, man. A little bit of that discipline. That's what I do, man. I help people improve their lives. So, but that's modeled for us. And it's funny because this is is actually helping me because I've got to figure out what I'm saying tomorrow. But one of the other ways we model that is for like our daughters, their purpose. So we ask them questions about their likes, how they want to do things. We explain entrepreneurship and education pathways to them. And like, you know, obviously the youngest one has a little harder time, the youngest girl, but like the other two, they like, they're completely, they get it. They started their own YouTube channel. They're like, we want to sell stuff. It's kind of messed me up a little bit because they think that I can just make money whenever. <laughs> no, but I like the way you're headed, bro, because if they can start making the money, then you, then you and your guide can just, you know, just raise them. I believe the most profitable thing that we any person can do on the planet is to be in alignment with their purpose because with alignment comes abundance. I think it is the best thing a human being can do is figure out what their purpose is and get in alignment with that because I believe all of the resources that we need, all of the financial resources, the relational resources, the emotional resources, the environmental resources are all found on the pathway of alignment. 
And the more consistently we stay in that and increase our awareness in on that path, the better life gets. So really big point, okay? Another value, awareness, okay? Awareness is a value of ours. How can we become more aware? Not just to perceive the world through our lens, but through the lens of other people. It helps us to live with more compassion, more empathy, more understanding, and my favorite word, more connection, okay? I wish I could get preachy for two seconds, but I'm not going to do that. Hey, listen, listen, I love that. And that's the perfect lead-in, though, because there was a big portion of your life where there was a misaligned purpose or a misunderstood purpose, right? And then where there was the lack of awareness to understand those things that led to a pretty difficult and dark place, right? And so the topic we're tackling today with you on this podcast is dealing with anxiety and depression. And I would love for you to take a couple minutes and just share with us a little bit of your story and why your story has positioned you so well to speak about and to share about these topics like anxiety and depression and purpose. Yeah, well, I plan to play in the NFL. I was six. I was. I am six foot five. I was 275 pounds and I ran, you know, a really fast 40. And so I was a freak of nature, just like my father was. But also like my father, I got injured. His was a knee. Mine was a back. And I actually got injured at the end of my true freshman year. Okay which meant that as a freshman in college, I had the opportunity to still have a full ride scholarship and come around football whenever I wanted. But for me, sports was my identity. It wasn't just my profession. Okay. It was who I, there wasn't any separation. So for me, in my mind, without it, I was worthless. Okay. And that applies to anything that we attach our identity to externally. If our identity is in a relationship. Yeah, this work, lavish is work, right? Work. You already know it. It's a profession. And my identity, if I lose that, I lose myself. And so for two years, I, I actually came back and played after the back injury, signed a liability waiver, and I put my body, and this is an important part of the story, through two years of suppression, both physically and emotionally. So what started as me taking opioids to suppress my physical pain to play the game of football turned into me taking opioids to numb my emotional pain that was coming from knowing that sports was coming to an end. And I thought if people didn't have sports to relate to me, they wouldn't like me. Okay. So I lived with that amount of physical and emotional suppression. A lot of people think that when they talk about perseverance, that you can just persevere through hard times, through tough times. I believe perseverance is important, but perseverance without process is toxic. Whatever you don't express, you suppress. Whatever you don't express, you suppress. And so it actually, science says that it lives in your cellular memory, okay? Ever have somebody cut you off in traffic, you snap on them, and you're like, man, that was overcalled for. They call it road rage. Road rage don't got nothing to do with roads. It got everything to do with trauma. So my point is that's where I was at. That was my understanding. I was suppressing all this emotion like many other people are doing. So develop a process of expression out of suppression. And ultimately, I had a girlfriend that left me. I ended up in a psychiatric unit after multiple suicide attempts. And Daryl, you were, how old were you during the season? I was in my, I had to be like 19, 20. It was 2011. So I go to the psychiatric care facility. I have two things happen. First thing is two different people came to me who didn't know each other, didn't cross paths that day, and said the same thing to me that I should say yes to Christ. I refused both invitations and they both prayed for me. And ultimately I said yes to God, I surrendered to him, 
believe, put my faith in Christ, and it changed my perspective. It gave me hope in a brighter future. That was the first thing that happened. The second thing that happened is I got admitted to a psychiatric care facility, and I lumped these all into self-care practices. But I did my first journal entry, saw my first psychiatrist, did my first mindfulness exercise, and I started to see that I could build my life from the inside out, not just the outside in. Totally different. I knew how to be successful. I was a top two, three percent in an entire industry. Okay. So I knew how to be successful, but I had a system of success. I didn't have a system of self care. And being a holistic human, a holistic dad is about having both a system of success and discipline and a system of self care. Less be like me, you sacrifice yourself on the altar of success. And so I started to devote my life to both of those things that changed my life. Devoted to God, devoted to having a system of self-care and success integrated into my life. Hmm. Okay, so Daryl, I know we got about 10 minutes or so left here. I want to get your thoughts on, as we think about dads that are listening to us right now, and we know that being a dad can be intense. And regardless of the age and stage of life, you're always dadding, right? I mean, you replace one stage with the next. When you think about the journey you have been on and what you have learned up until today, and we're talking to dads in a practical way, what do we as dads need to pay attention to in our own lives? Because I know you would say it starts with us, right? Before we can really invest in our kids in this way, we have to figure out how to live that way first. So what's a couple of thoughts for dads about paying attention to what as we're trying to be good dads? This one might throw you off. Pay attention to the mirror you see of yourself within your children. Mm -hmm. I get that, man. Tell us more. For me, it has been one of the greatest accelerants to growth personally and the greatest pathways of connection with my children is seeing the mirror within myself. Short story example of how this plays out. So my daughter, Ava, gets up, Middle of the night, wakes up early in the morning, always waking up, like doesn't want to go to bed, talks. Play. It's just, it's, she's the hardest one to deal with, okay? <laughs> she's the hardest one to deal with, okay? She's also the most like me. So early in my parenting journey, when she would get up and, you know, put her down for bed, eight, she'd get up at nine, 30, whatever, like come in here talking, asking the 15th question, like doing all the things, waking up all early. I send her back to bed. I started to notice sitting here in the bed, but here's what I noticed, okay? This was the mirror that I saw. Hey, wait a second. I wake up after I go to bed. Hey, wait a second. I wake up before my alarm clock. And usually when I wake up after, at night or I wake up early, it's usually because God woke me up. <laughs> it's, it's usually, that's usually the reason why. And I had this thought. What if God is communicating to my daughter the same way he's communicating to me? And I saw a mirror. She's the most like me personality-wise. Maybe God wired her a certain way. Maybe he just has to get us when we're sleepy because <laughs> we don't be listening and doing too much throughout the day. And so instead, next time she got up, instead of being like, hey, go lay back down. Stop coming here and ask me a question. I actually went out, bought her a journal. She woke up and I said, hey, sweet, let me show you what to do when you wake up. Just write and see what's coming to your mind. Draw pictures, song, whatever comes to, just see. And then if you can't go to sleep, come talk to us. If you feel like you have some peace and you fall back to sleep, just fall back to sleep. Game changer. Not only does she leave us alone. (laughs) She's growing in the process. She's growing. She's getting in touch with herself. She's starting to hear from God. She's starting to 
and I feel more connected to her. That's a process she now shares with me. Yeah. Never would have happened if I didn't see the mirror. I love it. And, you know, recently I was, I, I shared a thought a couple of weeks ago on a video that it struck me that as a dad, I far too often fall into the habit of talking at my kids, not talking with my kids. Right. And what you're describing is, is that you took a moment and said it at her, get back to bed, do this, do that. Why are you right? You took a moment to go, no, no, no. How do I talk with her? How do I explore this? How do I see her at a deeper level? And then how do I engage it as a teachable opportunity, right? And I think that's so powerful. I think it is too. And I would just shift the language a little bit just to, to be honest and just say that I'm talking about years of doing it the other way. Years. So we're talking about years of like suppressing that and being like, go back to sleep, even though you're not tired. Like, even though God's trying to speak to you, lay down. You know, like years of doing it wrong. And this is why I'm shifting this because this is the part I really want the dads to get is that it took so much surrender and humility for me to admit and own the fact that I had been treating, not giving my daughter the same privilege and freedom that I believe God was looking to have in her life. That's the way that I would say it. Okay. I was going to say that I have in my own, but then people are going to be like, but you're an adult. She's a kid. And I'm like, but we're both humans. So you get my point, though. It's a really important piece because I know that there's a lot of dads out there who see that mirror. They see their son being just like them. They see their daughter being pieces that are just like them. And rather than polish the mirror, they ignore it. Or they try to vicariously live through their children, right? Like, I can't make my daughter's journal entries be more thorough than mine. And there's a lot of that going on. So look at the mirror that your children are reflecting back to you and see how you can polish it. Because if you polish it within yourself, it's been my experience that we'll start to see that ripple effect in our children. That's awesome, man. So let's take that turn for a moment because I know we only have a few minutes left. So anxiety, depression, all these things, suicidal thoughts have been uh, around for a long time, right? And when I was growing up, I'm 50 now. I was a child of the 80s. Those things happen, but we never have had the level of conversation we're having today. And in some ways, the awareness is fantastic, but we also are seeing some things that are growing. And I know there's a lot tied to research around social media and different things, right? But we only have a few minutes to go there. Bro, one of the things that I know about you is you get a chance to spend time in front of a lot of students, whether it's college students, high school students, or third graders. What are you seeing and what do you want to say to dads about how we pay attention to these issues of anxiety and depression with our kids today, man? Because this is a big issue. I see a lot of parents, a lot of leaders in education, a lot of leaders in general perpetuating a stigma of mental health that they're actually trying to end. Here's how they're perpetuating it and here's what I believe that we can do to change. They perpetuate it because they do not practice the same principles that they are preaching. More plainly said is that they tell people who are having depression and anxiety to go see a counselor, but they do not go see a counselor themselves. When you do that, it makes it seem like mental health is something for those people that struggle with that dark thing. Therefore, it creates resistance towards a process that is healthy for all human beings, not just in counseling, but all things related to our mental health and well-being. So the first thing that we can do is to go first. I always tell people that 
if you think about someone that you know that's struggling with depression, anxiety, these things, and obviously there's some things that are illnesses that medication might help, that sometimes these practices won't. But for the majority of us that just have mental health challenges, overwhelm, burnout, anxiety, even if it's high levels, depression, suicidal ideations, those things, I would say whatever you would say to that individual in your life, make a list. I would say A, B, C. I would say be encouraged because of D. I would say start doing these things, E, F, G. Just make a list. Just make a list. And then just look at that list and ask yourself, how much of that am I doing for myself? Not as judgment, but only to see that the best way to lead is by example. The best way to change the stigma is to eliminate it. And it's not a stigma if everybody's doing it. So that's number one. The second thing is I have in my presentations, I teach my care system. I said I had a system of success. I didn't have a system of self-care. Care is an acronym where I believe if we focus on these areas that you will and build these skill sets, that you will be able to maintain a healthy system of self-care in your life. So this is something we can teach our children. This is something we can live out ourselves. It solves a lot of the problems, okay? And I don't have time to unpack it all, but I can tell you what the essence of each of them are. C is calm, okay? Calm. How do I master the ability to bring calm to my nervous system? Through breath is probably number one strategy, okay? Mindfulness, meditation, okay? Calm, cultivating calm in my life, okay? Activities, it's all about Two things. Number one, your physical activity. That's the A. Uh, So C's calm, A, activities. Physical activities and everyday activities. And when you do everyday activities, you're assessing the joy in which you do them. Because the more that you can have joy activities and not draining activities, the overall happier quality of life that you will have an experience. Okay? Not just because of the task, but because of the life that the tasks produce. You are what you consistently do. So calm, activities, I don't even want to say this word because it might hurt some people, relationships, okay, relationships. I say this in my keynotes, you've heard this, you're the five people you surround yourself with. That's the law of association. You want to get better at being calm, start spending time, not just with people, but I believe with nature. Because I haven't found a better element of the earth that knows how to be better than nature. So the more that I'm around something that is being versus people who tend to do and not be, the better I get at being. Yeah, that's, that's one, of the, one of the great values of Dad's on Tap is, is that the best part of our nights when we get to a brewery, we have great speakers, but is at the end, the dads hang around for at least an hour afterwards just talking and enjoying fellowship and asking questions, right? Like it's the best part of the night because it's relationally engaged. Relationships. Okay. And there's a whole thing we could go into about that, but relationships. And I just tell you, sometimes you got to love people enough to leave them. All right. And so E is expression. Okay. Remember I told you whatever you don't suppress, you express. You can express through counseling. You can express through journaling. You can express through any type of verbal processing out loud, whether that's to yourself. Cognitive behavioral therapy is all a form of expression. And so Do those things well, cultivate the skill of doing calm, doing activities, both physical and ones that bring you joy, monitoring your relationships, not just with people, but also with food, your relationship with food. Okay. Oh, it's a big one. And then your expression. 
there. We always tell the dads on tap is about coming and having a beer at the brewery. <laughs> Not several beers to drown your sorrow. Totally. And you know what a good thing would be like, hey, I wonder how many of you feel the urge to have multiple. If you could identify what emotion that you're seeking through multiple or what emotion that you feel you may be numbing through multiple, what would that be? Oh, man, I I just want to feel restful, peace. Okay. Well, what's causing you restlessness? A lack of peace in your life. And ultimately, drinking is a form of suppressing that. And it's just like, man, let's not do this. Because when you suppress, you either are going to explode on somebody else or you're going to implode like I did on myself and try to, you know, be in a downward spiral. And so expression. Well, there's so much we could say. I want to end on a final question, but I knew we would just be touching the surface of the work that you're doing. If our listeners or dads that may be watching this at one of our local brewery partners, if they want to connect to you more, what's the best way for them to get connected to your message or to you? Yeah, just go to DarylStinson.com or you can go to any of my social on at Stinson Speaks. You know, I talk a lot about mental health and I help leaders grow their movements through public speaking. That's awesome. And that's Daryl with two R's and two L's. That's right. That's right. It does. It makes it easy to look up because there's not many Daryl's with two R's and two L's. Just search handsome black guy named Daryl, former athlete. <laughs> former Central Michigan star, baby. So Darryl, we've got some dads that are listening to us, or we have some dads that may be sitting at a brewery in one of our chapters Would you just end with what is one really good question that we could either ask ourselves or that we might be able to ask each other as we're sitting in a group related to this topic? What could happen in my life if I'm willing to give all of myself to all the areas of my life, all of myself through all areas in my life, full commitment and full expression. I'm going to give my joy and I'm going to give my pain. I'm going to give my money and I'm going to give my personality. I'm going to give my direction and I'm going to give my affection. All of me. I'm going to share my wins and my losses. I'm going to celebrate high and I'm going to cry and be vulnerable openly. I love it. I love it. And that's really, I mean, that is, we often say dads on tap is about authenticity, right? Like we talk about the things that we're, we feel like we may be getting right. And then we often talk about, excuse my French, but the dumbass things we do as a dad, right? Like none of us are getting all this right. And it's the authenticity. It's the authenticity that opens up the opportunity for us to grow. And honestly, bro, for others to grow around us, right? Oh, totally, bro. You can't conquer what you can't confront, period. Well, man, thank you so much for your time. If you're listening out there or watching, make sure you go check out Daryl. Follow him on Instagram. Get connected to his YouTube. Watch his TEDx talk, man. You got so much great stuff out there. And reach out if you're in a place of needing some coaching and he can provide that or you need a speaker at something that's happening, man. Daryl, we'd love to give you more opportunities through that. So thank you, my friend. I appreciate you being here today. Yeah, thank you, man. It's been awesome. And I hope people just find one thing that can make a minor tweak in their life. That'll make a major difference. I love it, man. Yep. It's not about hearing it. It's about going and making it happen. So if you're out there today listening to us, thank you so much for joining us on the Dads on Tap podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media at the Dads on Tap. Check out our website, dadsontap.com. And I want to say this personally, I love being a dad. I also know what it's like to kind of feel lost or just frustrated or discouraged as a dad. So if I can ever do anything for you, 
please reach out to me personally at scott at dadsontap.com. I'd love the opportunity to connect and just see so I can help. And finally, the end of our podcast, the most important part is take what you have learned and go be a better dad. Yeah.